It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. From the Fox News Radio studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. Get ready for a big edition of the Brian Kilmeade Show. Here we are. Uh, we have uh, Alan West at the bottom of the hour. I have not talked to the GOP chair since he locked up Texas. He assured me the polls were wrong and he was right. And also, he did not know, maybe he didn't, he didn't let me know, that Rio Grande Valley went for uh, President Trump first time ever. Excuse me, it went by to Biden by five points. He used to go by 30 points. It shows the uh, president and the GOP are making inroads to the Hispanic community. And may, may, may I also add, they made inroads too, uh, according to preliminary reports, African-American votes at 13 percent. It was at 8 percent with Mitt Romney, so they're creeping up. It's still terrible. But if they have a future, if the Republicans want a future, it's working class and it's including all. And make that the inclusive message. Do not let Democrats categorize you again. For the president... Nothing on the schedule. He is ticked off. We know what's going on. He's battling it out in the battleground states. And for the vice president, he is addressing the Senate GOP. He's going to enjoy them for lunch. And he tweeted out yesterday, it ain't over till it's over. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's big three. Number three. 90% is a game changer. 90%. Now you're uh, hoping to have a tool in your war against this pandemic that could be significantly effective. And that is uh, some great news. I can't even put it into words. Dr. Albert Borgia, of uh, the chairman, CEO of Pfizer, talking about the breakthrough vaccine. It's on the launch pad. Another from Moderna, ready for final approval, and a therapeutic is just announced. It's great news. Am I the only one curious about the timing all of a sudden with the election just seven days old? Joe Biden announced his approach to fighting covid it sounds exactly like Trump's, Trump's approach. Number two. Look, Joe Biden, I do, do think he has a legitimate mandate to do two things. One is to wear a mask. He ran on that. Two is to tweet less. If there was a mandate on any ideological grounds, the Democrats would have gained seats in the House. Uh, that is so true. And Ari Fleischer also tweeted something else out pretty cool. 33% of Trump excuse me of Hillary Clinton supporters did not recognize the president as legitimate. And you're on the president for not admitting he lost Biden's agenda and the clash for the two Georgia Senate seats as the GOP is one win away of having a say in the Biden government over the next 4 years. Number 1. Our institutions are actually built for this and President Trump is 100% within his rights to look into allegations of ir- irregularities and weigh his legal options. I am impressed. The GOP is staying tight. Trump keeps a united GOP and fights for accuracy in the battleground states. The vote totals gets the DOJ support in his investigation. So William Barr is in. First off, I don't think it was a good idea for the president to fire the secretary of defense. I hope he does not fire the FBI director and the CIA director today. That is the rumor. I hope not. But he's looking at deficits in Georgia at 11,000 plus, 15,000 uh, in Arizona and shrinking, 45,000 in Pennsylvania, 146,000 in Michigan, 20,000 in Wisconsin, 36,000 in Nevada. The problem is with the whole mail-in voting and early voting. The pandemic screwed up everything. We screwed up our lives to this day. Nobody I know has not been affected by it. No one you know has not been affected by it. So 
There was early voting and there was mail-in voting. My problem was not if you request the ballot, the unrequested ballots in places like New Jersey and Nevada who said don't even show up at the polls. It'll just be provisional if you do. And that's why they're still counting. This is embarrassing. Why did Florida, Texas handle it? Why can't Pennsylvania, Arizona, North Carolina, why can't Georgia, why can't they finish this up? This is incredible. So the president thinks he's got some, uh, some legal challenges. He's got some legitimate legal challenges, he thinks. The Department of Justice is looking into it, see if it is widespread. But so far, I think it is bad, but I don't think it's, it's dancing around the edges compared to the votes that he needs. Overall, I thought Victor Davis Hanson nailed it. We used to have an election day. In case of emergency, we had absentee ballots, like you're in the military, you're sick. Moved, something like that. But now it's just become election season. Cut 14. They rendered the most hallowed date in American traditions, the first Tuesday of November, into an abstraction. It's a construct. Even the word absentee ballot doesn't mean anything anymore. It ceased to exist. And what did they replace it with, this new concept of early voting and mail-in balloting? We've never heard those words before. And what they mean is 30, 40, 45 days before the election, you can keep voting casually. You go in, vote. Maybe not any day. There's no one day you vote. Ballots can come in one, two, three, four days after the polls, maybe. And if the rules are too oppressive, you can sue and overturn the constitutional right of the legislators to set the voting laws. And what did we miss? It used to be the last two or three weeks were the heated time of the, of the campaign. <clears throat> That's when you showed the medal of the candidate. So what did it matter if Donald Trump had a really good second debate? What did it matter if we heard about Hunter Biden when millions of people had already voted? And what did they vote on? What were the, what were the perceptions? It just bothered. It's a totally different game. You know, just take your sport and just change the rules and say, what do you mean the outcome's the same? You change the rules. And I'm not saying that. I mean, let's say there was an October surprise for Joe Biden against Donald Trump. They access Hollywood like tape. It's not fair to him either. Can we get back to that? Can this just be the aberration? So let's look into it. And what I'm surprised at and I'm heartened by is people have given the president some space. He's crushed. He's ticked. He doesn't feel like it was fair. He went to bed up tens of thousands of votes, and he woke up, and it's all changed. Cut one. Our institutions are actually built for this. We have the system in place to consider concerns, and President Trump is 100% within his rights to look into allegations of irregularities and weigh his legal options. Remember. Hillary Clinton still does not accept the president. Remember, 33% of the country looked at the president as illegitimate. You don't believe me? Cut 15. I believe he knows he's an illegitimate president. He knows. He knows that there were a bunch of different reasons why the election turned out the way it did. And, and I- let me just tell you something. Most of it has to do with you, and he beat you. And the fact that he came after four years, after the Mueller report and the election mess and the electorate's not reporting and the, you catch Flynn up in this all this stuff, and that's the security advisor that took place, the impeachment, and then the pandemic, he still got the second most votes in the history, showing 2016 was no fluke. Congressman John Lewis, cut 16. Remember this. I don't see this president-elect as a legitimate president. Really? You don't see him as legitimate. What about President Jimmy Carter? Cut 17. There's no doubt that the Russians did interfere in the election, and I think the interference, although not yet quantified, uh, if fully investigated, would show 
that Trump didn't actually win the election in 2016. Right. Now, how irresponsible is that? He didn't actually win the election. But go ahead and govern. Really? Okay. Thanks. Appreciate that. Hillary Clinton, he's not legitimate. John Lewis, a a, uh, civil rights icon, he's not legitimate. Uh, Jerry Nadler, he's not legitimate. I am not showing up. No one is called? He pulled off an upset. You never gave him one day of peace, never one day to govern, never one day to negotiate. It ended up being a war, and you took on war with the equivalent of of a political George Patton. He'll go for the jugular every day. As long as you keep coming for him, he's going to keep defending himself, and then he's going to come after you. That's where we're in this spot. And when the dust settles, if there's not something egregious and the president does lose, he has to realize he legitimized two in 2016 in 2020. He ran an incredible race, incredible, incredible odds. He closed like goose gossage in the late seventies and he almost took it. I'm not saying it's over unless they could find something substantial. I would have to say it's over, but there's no, sometimes in life you give it your own. It doesn't work out yet. But it might work out eventually. Remember what Lindsey Graham told us yesterday. He was on the air and he said, I golf with the president. I talked to him for over an hour. And here's what he said to us. I would encourage President Trump, if after all this he does fall short, we just can't quite get there, to not let this movement die, to consider running again. Yeah. I would encourage him to think about doing it. I really would. Listen. He'll be 78 years old. I'm not sure he wants to. But he could form a super PAC. He is the even the 900-pound gorilla, even Mitt Romney admits to that in the party. He changed the makeup of the party. He changed the way they look at war and trade. He changed the way they look at the electorate. Don't pretend that Hollywood likes you and the rich support you. They don't, and they don't. That's why working class, not just being blatantly anti-union, without looking at that union and what they represent and how it could be misconstrued to be anti-blue-collar worker, looking at Hispanics and not thinking of legal immigration, looking at Hispanics as the hardworking uh, group who are diverse in nature and have varying interests, but they have to be embraced for a good reason for Republicans. So the other big story is the Senate race, Joe Biden's agenda and the Senate race. If Joe Biden wants to take away the tax cuts, the tax plan, the tax reform that George uh, that uh, that George Bush had his got it restored to, by Barack Obama. If he wants to make sure his did, did not go away, uh, like Barack Obama took away George Bush's tax cuts, he's got to make sure he leaves the Republican Senate. As angry as the president is, use some of your weight in Georgia to get this two these two races right: Senator Perdue and Senator Loeffler. Make sure they keep their jobs or else the Joe Biden agenda will run rough shot. That means uh, fattening up, uh, fattening up the Supreme Court. That'll mean goodbye electoral college. That means let's add two more states and never win the Senate again. That's what's at stake. If you lose these seats. Joe Manchin said something important, but I think it was strategic. He's the so-called moderate in the House. But when it comes to tough votes, he rarely goes with Republicans, even though he says he is. But what he said yesterday to Brett Baer I thought was significant. Cut 22. If both of the Georgia uh, senators were elected from the Democratic Party, uh, then that would be 50-50 if both Dan Sullivan and Tom Tillis win. 50-50 means there's a tie. But if one senator does not vote... On a Democratic side, there is no tie and there is no bill. 
So I commit to you tonight, and I commit to all of your viewers and everyone else that's watching. I want to lay those fears, I want to rest those fears for you right now, because when they talk about whether it be packing the courts or ending the filibuster, I will not vote to do that. I will not vote to pack the courts, I think, and I will not vote to end the filibuster. I think that's heartening because I kind of like the country uh, the way it is. But the problem is the pressure on Joe Manchin will be overwhelming. And he could say the Republicans wouldn't come to the table and I left me no choice because the man with the power said this Sunday. Cut 26. Now we take Georgia and then we change the world. Yeah! I'm sorry, can you repeat that, Mr. Schumer? Now we take Georgia, and then we change America. Right. Does anybody want the image of New York as America? Not me. And I'm in it. And the way the New York is led is horrible. An arrogant governor and an incompetent, lazy mayor who have just taken the best city in the world and threw it into the street. I thought was worse through the pandemic than anything else, but saw Los Angeles recently, and that is a mess. Tom Cotton on the matchup on who Purdue and Loeffler are going against. He knows what's at stake. Cut 27. That's it. That's the election. Let's vote. We don't need to have any more debating or campaigning because those are the stakes of this election. If John Ossoff, a trust fund socialist, and Raphael Warnock, Jeremiah Wright's biggest supporter in Georgia, win on January 5th, then Chuck Schumer will lead the Senate, and they will, in fact, try to change America. They will pack the Supreme Court. They will make Washington, D.C. a state. They will eliminate the Electoral College. They'll give amnesty and voting rights to 15 million illegal immigrants. They'll impose Nancy Pelosi's voting law on this country. They'll take your guns. They'll raise your taxes. They will defund the police, and they will gut our military. That's the stakes of this election. That's why everyone all across America needs to support Kelly Loeffler and David Perdue in this runoff election. Uh, well, also, whatever Joe Manchin set aside, Tom Cotton is absolutely right. Uh, you look at what they want to do, the AOC, Senator Schumer, who's afraid of AOC running for a Senate seat. He will do that, and don't ever uh, question it. one 866 Listen, when we come back, I'm going to take your calls. Also, give you the latest on the vaccine. There's a lot of hope there. And another, Moderna has now entered the fray for a vaccine ready to go. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't move. Holding our politicians' feet to the fire, no matter who they are. That's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie. Formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services. Marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now, you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. It's the nation's largest home services Marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? 
From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. I think one or two days after the the first presidential debate, I wrote a letter to our employees and I said that some people want us to do it faster, some people want us to do it slower. I'm telling to all of you that we will move with the speed of science. So if it was before, I would have released them before. If it is now, I release them now. I learned about those results uh, yesterday, Sunday at 2 o'clock. So that is uh, Dr. Albert Borla. Uh, he is a uh, Pfizer chairman and CEO. We're all excited. This thing could start going out in massive, very organized way through the U.S. military as early as the end of the month. They said, we like to start administering the shot at the end of the month. And the market responded. It is still up today. It's close to 30,000. Jerry, listen, WOKV. Hey, Jerry, over in Jacksonville. Brian, I appreciate uh, you giving me a chance to talk on your radio show. I'm a Democrat, and I love listening to you, and I have to say that. Um, the reason why is because I agree with 50% of the things that you say, Brian. You're right. Um, I just think that stoking fear in this country isn't the way we should go right now. The president lost. I'm not here to boast. It's nothing to boast about. This happens every four years. Democrats won. Good job. Well fought. You know, victory, whatever the case you want to say. But I just think we need to lower the temperature. We definitely need to come together in this country. I don't disagree with some of the things you're saying. I do not want AOC in charge. We do not want a revolution. That's not what we want. But we do need to clean up our environment. Why does everything have to be oil? Why can't we, we, we you know, start subsidizing these wind and these stores? Why can't we use all of it? You know, I think our country is better. We've always been on the cutting edge. I just yeah, I'm losing you a little bit, Jerry. I got the, I got the spirit. Maybe by the end of the week, the president's going to come around to it if nothing emerges. John, listen on WDBO, also in Central Florida. John. Yes. Uh, I'd just like to say that, uh, <clears throat> as they've been saying on TV, that you have to count all the legal votes to decide who the president of the United States is, uh, even though it does look as though in Pennsylvania, uh, Donald Trump uh, is going to be well behind. Um, also, uh, I believe that what he sh- should do is file his lawsuits that are legitimate. 
there are people saying that he's uh, filed all these lawsuits so far, and they haven't gone anyplace because of no evidence. And the thing is, it's got to be big numbers, right? We're not saying that nobody cheated at all, but it's got to be thousands. And I haven't seen that. I have not seen it in Nevada. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton Withrow. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you'll subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. Pennsylvania, and Georgia. I've just not seen it yet, Jerry. Uh, John, listen on WDBO. John. Oh, I'm sorry. Jerry, uh, Dayton, Ohio. Hey, Jerry. Hey, Brian. Thanks for taking my call. I just wanted to uh, follow up on what you were just saying about those two Senate seats in Georgia. Yep. And um, and certainly President Trump's got to get behind that to make sure and ensure that we we hold those seats. I, I have little confusion on what happens in a runoff. Is it a recount or what's got to happen? No, they, they run it again. They got the they, next. There's going to be another vote on January 5th. So they're going to run yep. it again. And they got to see, you know, whoever wins outright. But they feel as though if you don't get 50 percent, that's not clear enough for Georgia. So they want to go see it. So they had a jungle primary. Kelly Loeffler was second. But without Doug Collins, she would have won it. The theory is with uh, two Republicans splitting the vote. And then on the other side, Purdue won, but he missed it by 0.02 percent, getting 50 percent. So he's got to run it against Ossoff again. So all the Republicans need is one of those two seats. Democrats need to run the table in a state that used to be red. Alan West next. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. And almost immediately after the news was announced, people all over the country started to celebrate out in the streets. The joy was infectious. <laughs> As is coronavirus. <laughs> the volume of people that were doing that who just two weeks ago were going, I can't, it's disgusting that Trump's holding these rallies. <laughs> it's so irresponsible. And they were like, bah, bah, bah. That is so true. In a funny monologue, James Corden uh, last night. Uh, you saw the crowds go running into the streets, the same one condemning the president for having his rallies uh, while telling people to make your own decision about masks. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West joins us. As predicted, as he said, he's chairman of the Republican Party of Texas, and that state is not going blue. Uh, Colonel, that is one thing that's pretty much emerged. You got Cornyn, despite $25 million against him, and it stayed, it stayed a red state. How'd you do it? Well, Brian, it's good to be with you, and we just took our message to everyone, and we talked about the importance of Texas. One of the things that has really been a shock, and a lot of people are writing and talking about that, is how we went down into the Rio Grande Valley, and uh, that's a deeply blue area, Hispanic area, and we had success in turning uh, some counties that had never been Republican in 100 years. But when you talk about the principles and values, when you talk about what Texas stands for, what it means, and when you address 
issues such as, you know, wanting to uh, end, uh, you know, the oil and gas industry, you know, the issues about undermining our Second Amendment rights, safety and security, securing the borders, uh, the fact that Texas is the number one state in America for human sex trafficking, how we should not be abolishing ICE or having uh, anyone talk about that. It was very, very easy. And uh, the left, the Democrats had some really weak candidates that they were running here, although they were throwing tens of millions. I think the total was $53 million outside cash that came into Texas to try to flip Texas to be blue, and they got no electoral gains whatsoever. So they also got uh, destroyed in South Carolina by 10 points despite spending $103 million. They also did not have any success in Maine. They thought that Susan College was toast, was not winning in one single poll ever. Not yet. It didn't was wasn't close within five. She wins by six. I mean, and John Corn and twenty four million doesn't. Uh, they don't touch him. So uh, in the end, there were no major upsets in the Senate. And as uh, we thought, that McSally was going to lose to Mark Kelly, who's pretty popular uh, astronaut. But in the end, President Trump feels as though he was robbed. Does he have a point? I think President Trump does have a point. One of the things we have to make sure we understand. I call it the three C's that still need to continue on. You still have counting going on in some of these states, uh, such as Arizona. But the other thing is you have canvassing. You have to go through the canvassing process of all the results, and then you have the certification. So we're far away from this thing being closed out. And without a doubt, you're going to have the automatic recounts that are going to be triggered, as well as you're having some issues with some of these mail-in ballots. I think that was the big thing that the lesson learned, that we uh, move away from this universal mail-in ballot scheme, which the Democrats tried to implement because of the uh, COVID-19 issue, Uh, that was just ripe for fraud. And we we saw some attempts to try to use that here in Texas, but uh, we were able to fight back against that. So I think the president still has an opportunity uh, to pull this out. Well, we'll see. He needs tens of thousands in votes. So uh, in, he's got to look at Arizona, where he's cutting down the deficit. He's at 15,000 now. He's got uh, – it's a little bit less in Georgia, but he's getting slammed now the more they count in Pennsylvania. But Bill Barr called this in an interview, a contentious interview on CNN. Why he did the show, I'll never know. But he sat there and he said, listen, i got a huge problem with mail-in ballots. Cut nine. This is playing with fire. We're a very closely divided country here. And if people have to have confidence in the results of the election and the legitimacy of the government, and people trying to change the rules to this, to this methodology, which, as a matter of logic, is very open to fraud and coercion, is reckless and dangerous. Guess what we have now? We have a lot of people who aren't happy with the verdict. Now, uh, Mitch McConnell says no problem. Ted Cruz says no problem. The most, for the most part, outside Ben Sass and Susan Collins and Murkowski, no one's even acknowledged it's President-elect Biden. How long do you think the president could should hold out before he makes a decision? Well, I think that when you looked at what happened back in 2000, uh, the you know, Al Gore was going around as president-elect for some 30 days, and then it went to the Supreme Court, and everything was overruled. They had the opportunity to go back through and count and verify all those ballots. We remember the hanging chads, and George W. Bush became the president. But, Brian, Brian, if you go back to April the 14th of this year, 
Um, Eric Holder, the former attorney general, who's the chairman of the National Democrat Redistricting Committee, wrote an article, an op-ed in Time magazine that said why the coronavirus should change uh, elections in the United States permanently. And what did he talk about? He talked about mail-in ballots. What was one of the things that Nancy Pelosi tried to get funded in the very first uh, stimulus package for COVID uh, coronavirus was mail-in ballots. We saw Mark Zuckerberg dump $9 million into Harris County, into Harris County here in Texas, which is Houston, uh, to support uh, curbside voting and mail-in ballots. So this was a grand scheme that they unleashed on the American population. And I think that you're going to find, uh, I've heard and read some reports that 132 mail-in ballots may be deemed uh, invalid in the state of Georgia. Uh, We're going to find out a lot about this, and it's not going to be pretty, and we need to have confidence in our electoral system. Here's what Stacey Abrams said about Georgia, where we know they're going to have two Senate races shortly. Voter suppression happens anywhere. Do you think you're helping change the trajectory of the Democratic Party? We changed not only the trajectory of Georgia, we changed the the trajectory of the nation because our combined power shows that progress is not only possible, it is inevitable. Abrams' next challenge is the Super Bowl of runoffs in January. Georgia will elect both its U.S. senators. Control of the Senate itself hangs in the balance. People will do almost anything when they know success is likely. It is the actual thing that can change the future, and I believe they'll show up. Does that worry you? No, it, it doesn't worry me. And as, as you know, I was born and raised in Georgia. This past weekend, I got a call asking me to come back to my uh, birth state and uh, do some rallies, and uh, we're working on some dates. So I look forward to going back and making sure that Georgia stays absolutely red. Georgia is the largest state east of the Mississippi River, and uh, Georgia and Texas have a very intricate relationship because one of the early presidents of the Republic of Texas was a Georgian by the name of Mirabeau Lamar, and also uh, Jim Bowie, as you wrote in your book, was originally born in Georgia, and of course he lost his life, gave his life at the Alamo. So uh, Georgia's going to be fine, and I'm going to go back home uh, to Georgia and make sure that it stays a good, strong red state and uh, do some rallies with these senatorial candidates. So you remember uh, when the National Security Advisor, Michael Flynn, was talking to other world leaders, including a Russian leader, it cost him his job and, his, and almost his freedom. Listen to Ben Rhodes yesterday talk about Joe Biden's people. Cut 20. The Trump people seem to be talking like they have some agency here. We're going to have the pageantry already of the president-elect announcing his advisory board. He's going to start announcing cabinet secretaries. The center of political gravity in this country and the world is shifting to Joe Biden. Foreign leaders are already having phone calls with Joe Biden talking about the agenda they're going to pursue January 20th. If that reality hasn't sunk in yet for some people in the White House, it will sink in when they have to leave on January 20th. I wonder if he's spying on their calls. Is Joe Biden's phone been tapped? Yeah, that's pretty interesting in that they're putting that cart before the horse. And and again, why you're you're not even certain to be a president elect and you're making all of these uh, contacts and maybe cutting deals. You know, we still have question marks about the involvement of the Bidens with China and with some uh, some other entities that are out there. So I don't think that we want to have Joe Biden starting to discuss foreign policy yet and making contacts and communiques. And we saw, of course, like you said, uh, it was a different. Uh, 
uh, you know, approach when it was Michael Flynn, you know, just having in- introductory uh, conversations with uh, Russian ambassadors and Russian foreign ministers. So why is it all of a sudden that this hypocrisy has re- reeled this ugly head again? Because we know why. There's a different set of rules for the progressive socialist left, the Democrat Party, than for anyone else. Uh, Colonel, thanks so much. Congratulations on all your success in Texas. Appreciate it, and uh, look forward to seeing you back down here, my friend. All right, Lieutenant Colonel Allen West. Hope to be back in Texas soon, don't we all? one 866 I see you out there. Yesterday, I got mailed to my house. Sam Houston, the Alamo Avengers, but out on the mass market. You know those little books that you see that used to be purely romance novels? Now they knocked them down. So I have Andrew Jackson, Miracle of New Orleans, Thomas Jefferson, the Tripoli Pirates, as well as George Washington's Secret Six, knocked down to a $9 version, the little version you could put in your back pocket if you wanted. So I'm going to be giving away five of them, and it'll start next block, and I'll have it all throughout the show. one 866 Be insightful, direct to the point, and we'll mail one out to you because Pete needs something else to do. Brian Kilmeade Show. It's Brian Kilmeade. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. This is America. We don't rush the election results because we want to do what? We want to ensure what we're all talking about, integrity and honesty, integrity and honesty. And we do that through a process and through the rule of law. Let's follow the example of Bush v. Gore. Let's follow what Vice President Gore did. We're back, everybody. one 866 Let's go out to Dave. Listen on WVMT. Hey, Dave. How you doing, Brian? Good morning to you, my friend. I'd like to discuss about the peaceful transition of power uh, and our kumbaya moment with the guy holding down the office of president-elect. Yes. Uh, uh, today in the Senate, one Andrew McCabe is going to be testifying about how peaceful they were with their uh, their first coup. That went well, right? Oh, that's coming up today. Yeah, he's going Andrew to admit McCabe, he made some it, mistakes, but he said, we just wanted to find out what Russia did in our election. Well, everybody else, Rosenstein, Lynch, uh, Comey, they all said they would not have done it if they knew what they know now. They're all pointing fingers at each other. I think there's going to be a little light shed on the situation today, hopefully. Yeah, or they'll feel empowered not to answer because they don't think Trump's going to have the job for too much longer. That could be it, Dave. Uh, so it's just amazing. Four years later, we're just getting to the, the heart of the matter. Yeah, I'm sure all the Democrats will be, we're in the middle of a pandemic. We must move on. Right. Hey, uh, Dave, hold on. I'm going to get you Sam Houston, the Alamo Avengers, just now out on mass market. Fred, listen, WSKY in Gainesville, Florida. Hey, Fred. Hey, thank you for having uh, great guests on like that Colonel Allen West who brought up the, uh, you know, the, the hypocrisy of the left. And, and that's what I wanted to bring up. That earlier caller from Jacksonville, the Democrat guy, he's, uh, he's, tip- he's, he's a hypocrite. I mean, he wants the country to come together now but he's not willing he wasn't willing and the left's not willing to come together when president trump was so so why would any sensible person or in their right mind think that people like me who don't believe in their agendas and their policies what they want to do to this country 
why would we come together now when they didn't want it before? Good point. And here, here's what people point to. Like Rick Santorum came out yesterday and said the, pre- the vice president announced, the president-elect, if you believe that, President-elect says he's going to rejoin the Paris climate change. He's going to reinstate DACA. He's going to rejoin the WHO. He is going to repeal Trump's travel ban. Okay, that's fine. Now he also wants to stop the American first policy. Now, if you want people to come together, why are you doing unilateral executive orders? Why is that the first thing you're doing January 20th? The stuff that demands no cooperation unless you want to give it. Why would you just blow up an agenda and say, hey, Shake my hand. It's a bad scenario. You either come out and say, I'm going to be as partisan as possible. You better not give me the Senate. If he gets the Senate, you're going to see 71 million people more frustrated than life itself. Uh, And thanks so much. Hold on, Fred. We're going to get you a book. Uh, Fred in Gainesville, Florida. Uh, Let's go out to uh, Dennis. Listen on WVMT in Vermont. Dennis. Hi, Brian. Um, Years ago, there was great clamor for body cameras for police departments. And it was used both ways. It was used to protect the cop from false accusations yep. against him and to uh, punish a cop who may be involved in wrongdoing. And I'm thinking before the Texas senatorial runoff and for any future elections, maybe we should have body cams for all election workers. I don't know. Is that? I mean, that's not practical. We're going to be looking at 5,000, 5, you know, 50,000 feet. I mean, I, I don't see it. I, I know there's frustration there. The one thing I would do is hire enough workers that they can work around the clock. I cannot wait two weeks for them to count ballots. you got to be kidding me. What's this, uh, you know, what is this, 1910? It's embarrassing. Jim, you're listening in Plattsburgh, New York. Hey, Jim. Hey, Brian. I was just calling about uh, the upcoming runoff in uh, Georgia in January. Uh, they just recently implemented and installed the Dominion software system to count votes in Georgia. Are we going to be able to accept the results of that election in January with that software system installed there counting the votes? I would think the Republicans, the attorney, Republican Attorney General, Secretary of State should do that. I know they now the Republicans want to push to fire him, but it's up to the you know uh, Rama McDaniel, Rama McDaniel, to get in there. And, and take because a look at it. It's not our job. I mean, find right. out if the I mean, software is going to. Doesn't anyone want a fair election? We got to do everything. All these little software glitches. Are we supposed to believe that they, they, they that they were just glitches in the software? I don't know. I, I'm hopefully there'll be a backup ballot. But now I want to get the answer to those two Senate races same day. We used to sit there and pull lever. We had the final. Now everyone's got to start voting in August. Scott, listen on WOKV in Jacksonville. Scott. Yeah. Hey, Brian. How you doing? Good. Uh, you know, I, I wanted your opinion on the. I, I mean, you know, it'd be one thing if there was one or two videos that were propping up. But I'm talking ten, tens of tens of dozens of videos of poll workers filling out ballots and certifying ballots as they are sitting there at the polls. I wonder your opinion on that. I saw some of it, and it ended up being checked out. It went viral, and then it turns out that that person was doing something they were told to do. So it ends up being not being a big deal. You have to watch what is. Uh, what is people just putting stuff out on websites that don't have no rep, uh, that don't have no reputable backing? So, um, Glenn, listen to WDBO in Orlando. Hey, Glenn. Hey, bud. Quick, quick comment. Yeah, Joe Biden said two weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, it was going to be a dark winter, no yeah. cure. Scientists say vaccine won't yep. be until the summer. Yep. Not even a week. Yep. After the election, they're announcing 
hey, look, we got several that are working. So why did Trump get the the black ball on that every time he said we're, we're about to have a vaccine? Absolutely. I mean, why does it happen six days later? Yesterday it announced. Imagine if it was six days earlier. They didn't want to be part of the election process or they want to make sure he wasn't president anymore. I mean, you could just say it's a coincidence. We just happened to finish a study that's been lasting a year. Okay, now Moderna today. We're ready. Really? You're ready. And now they have another therapeutic with uh, antibodies. Now that's ready by Eli Lilly. Really? That's interesting. Well, that would have helped last week, wouldn't it, if you're the president? No, guess not. But bottom line is, the president's going to keep forging ahead. Bottom line is, we're still going to count. We have still more votes to count. And there's going to be a recount likely in Georgia. One's going to be in Wisconsin. They might even have one over in Pennsylvania. The president of the United States is not helped by the fact that uh, by Dave Bossie has tested positive for the coronavirus. He was leading things up in Phoenix, excuse me, in Arizona. It does not help by the fact that Ben Carson has the coronavirus and his MVP, Mark Meadows, also has it. Man, perfect storm for him. Listen to Brian Kilmeade Show. Go to BrianKilmeadeShow.com. Listen anytime, anywhere. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening. Coming from New York City, heard around the country, heard around the world, this is the Brian Kilmeade Show. This hour, we're going to talk to General Jack Keane about the firing of Defense Secretary for the President. Makes no sense if you ask me. And Barney and Company will do a simulcast. It's the number one show in FBN, uh, in Fox Business Television, and in all of business television. They're going to be simulcasting with us. You can always see us on Fox Nation. We always stream. Another reason to get that great app. And you can always hear us on BrianKilmeadeShow.com if you ever leave our family of affiliates. And Kristen Soltis Anderson will be with us, too. Go inside the political situation because everything is still up in the air uh, a full week. A full week. From Election Tuesday, which really is election season, I should say. Uh, We're also following that Andy McCabe's going to be on Capitol Hill in front of the Susanette Judiciary Committee. He's going to try to make sense and try to uh, square the circle with James Comey, as well as Peter Strzok, who have differing accounts of why they were investigating now President Trump, then President-elect Trump. Think about that transition. People were upset that the GSA has not written a check and provided office space to Joe Biden. What if they had a full-blown investigation with the FBI and who knows the CIA into Joe Biden's transition team, to his candidacy, to his assembling of a transition process? That's exactly what happened to Donald Trump. And people were upset at Trump for not saying, okay, I lost. Well, There's a bunch of states that are too close to call that have not been certified, including Arizona, Pennsylvania, including Georgia. And the president wants some answers on that. Is that bad? Wisconsin automatic recount. Is that a problem? Because it seems like it wasn't too long ago when there were certain candidates for president of the United States that would never, would begin to never admit that the president had won an election. Remember this, cut 15. 
I believe he knows he's an illegitimate president. He knows. He knows that there were a bunch of different reasons why the election turned out the way it did. And, and you lost. He got more votes. And 2020 proved it. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. 90% is a game changer. 90%, now you're uh, hoping to have a tool in your war against this pandemic that could be significantly effective. Albert, uh, that's Dr. Albert Burla. He is the CEO of Pfizer, who has a breakthrough vaccine on the launch pad and another Moderna ready for final approval this week as of today. And a therapeutic also announced by Eli Lilly. Great news, yes, but the timing is quite curious, don't you think? And Joe Biden announced his approach to fighting covid Does it sound familiar? And a certain governor in New York says, I hear about the vaccine, but I don't really like Trump delivering the vaccine. Nice job, Cuomo. Number two. Look, Joe Biden, I do think he has a legitimate mandate to do two things. One is to wear a mask. He ran on that. Two is to tweet less. If there was a mandate on any ideological grounds, the Democrats would have gained seats in the House. (laughs) Uh, Biden's agenda and the clash for two Georgia Senate seats in the GOP, one went away from having a say in the Biden government over the next four years. They have to make it happen. Number one. Our institutions are actually built for this. And President Trump is 100 percent within his rights to look into allegations of irregularities and weigh his legal options. And that's what Mitch McConnell has done. Trump keeps a united GOP and fights for accuracy in the battleground states with those vote totals still coming in. Yes, still coming in. And the DOJ supports an investigation. Look, sooner or later, the president's got to produce something that would show that thousands of votes were wrong. 11,000 plus in Georgia, 15,000 and declining in Arizona, 45,000 and growing in Pennsylvania, 146,000 in Michigan, 20,000 in Wisconsin. They're going to do a recount in 36,000 in Nevada. That is the Biden advantage. So if the president has something that could produce that type of advantage for him, he's got a few more days to do it. Because the longer he holds on, he's not going to be able to hold his caucus together. As Carl Rove told us yesterday, it's going to take a few days. And I know the president doesn't like to lose. I don't know anyone that does. But he's already got 45% approval and 71 million people voted for him. Can you imagine how it would go up if he just said, hey, uh, Joe Biden, why don't you come to the White House next week and bring Jill? Here's the tour. Here's what you do. And then they just keep it civil. And as he steps back, he becomes still the most powerful people person on the right and helps out over the next two months in Georgia, delivers the Senate, shortens the gap, in the House, and then suddenly Donald Trump, from almost the minute he steps away, will begin to be missed. Mark my words. Now, I know he's got some legal issues, and he's got a business that really is hurting, just like a lot of these presidents leave from Thomas Jefferson on down. They come back, George Washington, they come back, and their financial house is a mess. James Monroe. And now he's got to go get that straight together, and I know he wanted four more years to get the country together. But I think at some point, he's got to wind it down. But in the end, Republicans have to get a hold of this voting process. The whole mail-in ballot and have election season instead of election day is the problem. Remember, Bill Barr called this problem. When everyone decided, when states decided on their own just to universally mail people ballots, 
who didn't ask for them, expecting, of course, that they lived there. But their voter rolls never get updated. Check New Jersey. Check Nevada. Remember Bill Barr warned us of this. Cut nine. This is playing with fire. We're a very closely divided country here. And if people have to have confidence in the results of the election and the legitimacy of the government, and people trying to change the rules to this, to this methodology, which, as a matter of logic, is very open to fraud and coercion, is reckless and dangerous. And that's what we have. Now people are doubting, on the right anyway, doubting the result. Adam Laxalt is a former uh, Nevada attorney general. He thinks there's something wrong here. He thinks the president would have won by one or two points. Cut six. So the attorney general has been attacking me for a week without evidence, and he tweeted today that now we don't have, there's not evidence of widespread voter fraud. So they've backed off the fact that there's zero voter fraud. Now they're saying we haven't produced enough. We're outside of the system. This is a needle in a haystack type situation. We've produced dead voters. Already, he went on, cut seven. We've also produced over 3,000 people that moved out of Las Vegas this year and still voted in this election. There are many more voters than in our system. And I try to explain to people, we don't get to just call them and they, they're not going to work with us and verify something. Right. We have to right. verify it independently. Same for the news media, by the way. Uh, it is hard to pin yeah. this stuff down. And that's what they're having trouble doing. Newt Gingrich thinks there's actually, absolutely been fraud here. Cut 13. This is a very elaborate, deliberate process by people who knew a lot about power and who did not want exactly what the media tried to do the last four or five days, which is have a mob effect where we're all supposed to roll over, pretend that, you know, there's been a coronation and Biden has been crowned, which is just not true. Not a single state... Uh, has been certified. There are, I think, going to be lawsuits in six different states. Uh, I think this is clearly up in the air. But the important thing for the average American should be simple. We have to have a process of honest elections or our power as individuals just doesn't matter. It's true, and that would be a disaster. That's why we got to get to the bottom of this, and I hopefully we'll get to the bottom of this by week's end. It's only Tuesday. Meanwhile, the president's not backing down. His campaign manager says he's urging his staff to have patience and will and withstand the legal battles. President Trump tweeted out the threshold of identification of ballots is turning out to be even bigger than originally anticipated. A very large number of ballots are impacted. Stay tuned. Also, the vice president tweeted out, it ain't over till it's over, and it ain't over. President Donald Trump has never stopped fighting for us, and we got to keep fighting for him. And Senator McConnell, as you know, says, let's not have any lectures from Democrats who denied the 2016 result. In fact, went out of their way to upend the 2016 result. So top five counties with most mail-in ballots left to count. Allegheny County, this is Pennsylvania alone, still has 12,000 left to count. Philadelphia County, 9,500 left to count. Montgomery County, that has 3,833. Lehigh, 2,300. Bucks County, 2,262. So 2.5 million voted there, 53,185 remain. So why are people saying this is over? Because they said the margin's too great. But if you're the president of the United States, you have no reason to throw in the towel yet. But we're going to come back and talk to Kristen Soltis Anderson. One thing is pretty clear. Republicans aren't happy about the presidential election, but they're pretty pleased about what happened with the Senate, the House, and the state houses. Can you have both? 
We'll discuss it and then take your calls. And keep in mind, Sam Houston, the Alamo Avengers came out on that mini book, the mass market book, cost you about nine bucks. Those little things you used to see the size of romance novels. We're going to be giving some away today uh, to the callers of the most intriguing. one 408 You're with Brian Kilmeade. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Now we take Georgia, and then we change the world. Yeah! I'm sorry, can you repeat that, Mr. Schumer? Now we take Georgia, and then we change America. Yeah, let's make it worse. Can it be possible with a mask on? Kristen Soltis-Anderson, Georgia's Fox News contributor, extraordinary pollster. Uh, And now we know we're not even done with this election, Kristen, but we have another election coming up in January. And the fear was just expressed by Senator Chuck Schumer that if the Republicans lose, they will change America. Could it have been more perfect for Republicans to make an ad around? I feel like there are so many things that Republicans either have been given as gifts in the last couple of days or are things that Republicans are pretty clearly sitting on, waiting to see if these races went to runoffs before bringing them up in the, in the political world. We call it opposition research. Things about both John Ossoff and Reverend Warnock that Republicans are quite eager to turn into ads that you were going to see blanketing the state of Georgia over the next couple of weeks. So Ossoff lost by almost two full points to Purdue, but because of this quirky thing in Georgia, you got to get 50 percent, they'll do it again. What could change in that time? What could change in that time are two things. First of all, eliminating these third-party candidates. You have to see if those voters are going to turn out. Where do they shake out? Uh, you know, in many other states around the country, the margin of victory between Joe Biden and Donald Trump is smaller than the number of people who voted for candidates and parties like the Libertarian or Green Party. So sometimes these third parties can have an effect, but when you take them out of the, the running and you just bring it down to two, things can change a bit. So the Republicans are hoping that there are not too many of these third-party voters who decide they want Democrats, that instead their way of casting a bit of a protest vote or creating divided government would be to vote for a Republican. Turnout's the other big thing, though. A lot of folks really fired up to participate in this presidential election, turnout through the roof. But in a special off-year runoff kind of election, turnout tends to drop. So each party is going to be really focused on trying to keep their base energized and going to the polls. I think I got the Republican talking points all in one soundbite from Tom Cotton. Listen, cut 27. That's it. That's the election. Let's vote. We don't need to have any more debating or campaigning because those are the stakes of this election. If John Ossoff, a trust fund socialist, and Raphael Warnock, Jeremiah Wright's biggest supporter in Georgia, win on January 5th, and Chuck Schumer will lead the Senate, and they will, in fact, try to change America. They will pack the Supreme Court. They will make Washington, D.C. a state. They will eliminate the Electoral College. They'll give amnesty and voting rights to 15 million illegal immigrants. They'll impose Nancy Pelosi's voting law on this country. They'll take your guns. They'll raise your taxes. They will defund the police. You got it. I mean, that's basically, he he nailed every one of them. It's up to these, uh, Kelly Loeffler, and uh, Purdue, Dave Purdue, to nail that home. 
Well, the reason why the Senate is so important, especially given if we have a, a president-elect Biden, is that a lot of things that a president can do require Congress and specifically require the Senate. So even things that don't require passing bills still often require confirmation, whether it's who he chooses for his cabinet, whether he can enter into certain treaties, uh, whether he can get certain judges appointed. A lot of things run through the Senate, and Mitch McConnell would love to have the ability to make so many things that a Biden administration does run through Mitch McConnell's house of pain. Right. That's absolutely, uh, that's absolutely true. With the president, looking at the president's cases, what do you think as the most merit has any intrigue with you? Is there some in Pennsylvania, the Arizona diminishing deficit? Or is it something with Wisconsin recount? Uh, or is it Georgia? Where do, where do you see the most intrigue or most hope, if any place, for the Trump team? Well, the Trump team has got to be looking most at places where, A, they've got concrete evidence that they can pursue. So whether it's, hey, we've got a list of voters that we want to make sure, are these folks supposed to be participating or not? I, I believe in a place like Nevada, that's been their strategy. That's something where you can actually hash that out. And if somebody raises their hand and says, nope, I'm on that list because I'm a military voter and I'm legal and I'm allowed to vote in Nevada, then you resolve it that way. But I think in some of these states, if the margin is too big, for instance, in Pennsylvania, uh, it may just be too large for these legal challenges to actually be able to sway the race, in which case I think courts will be somewhat less interested in, in hearing the claims from the Trump team. Uh, and Pennsylvania is really the ballgame, because if Biden hangs on to Pennsylvania, then really no matter what happens in some of these other states, it's still Biden's uh, race with the majority of those electoral college votes. Yeah, and I guess we'll see what's going to happen. So if the president does uh, step aside. When do you think he has to decide if he's going to concede or not? I mean, is there a a drop dead date where they're not going to look for a concession that GSA just writes a check and lets the offices fill up and lets the interim committee start firing up? Well, you know, the Constitution does not require networks to make calls one way or the other. The Constitution does not require people to make concession phone calls. Some of these things help the wheels of democracy turn, but they're not constitutionally required. What will matter is when the Electoral College actually votes and you have that firm final decision, yes. The Electoral College has spoken. We have a new president-elect formally. It's good for the country if there is a clear election result that the next president be able to begin making that transition happen. Uh, But at the moment, constitutionally, what matters most is are those electors able to do their job and do they do so with certified election results? That's the only thing the Constitution cares about. And they're looking at December or is that January? I believe that happens in December. So there is still some time for a president-elect that is formally chosen by the Electoral College to still have time uh, to prepare. But, of course, it's not as much time as they might like. Of course, there are other governments, mind you. In the U.K., they have elections in the very next day. Uh, whoever is elected to become the new government takes over. So in some ways, we have kind of a nice long runway for the new president. Um, but if the election result is clear, you don't want them unnecessarily being stifled from being able to make that transition smooth. Uh, it's good for America if, if we're able to do this in a peaceful and calm fashion. I understand. Kristen Soltis-Anderson is our guest, Fox News contributor uh, and pollster. Kristen, uh, when you look at these polls, nobody had Susan Collins winning. Uh, they thought that Cornyn was going to be very, very close. He ends up being six, seven points. And then you have uh, a situation with uh, Tom Tillis was never leading despite Cal Cunningham's scandal. So much of the polls were just wrong. Oh, yes. Whenever people hear that I'm a pollster, their immediate thought over the last week is treating me like someone in my family died. Like, oh, I'm so sorry, Kristen. Do you need a drink? 
And I say, look, this election result didn't actually surprise me. I mean, I think that the polls should be trying to do a better job of understanding people that they're clearly not hearing from right now. Uh, to me, that doesn't mean the industry is dead. It means we're at a moment when there needs to be a lot of change and reform. But I'm young and in this industry, and so I'm excited about that. I think what's going to be a big challenge is there's not one clear, easy answer. You know, in 2012, the polls were wrong because they weren't calling enough cell phones. In 2016, the polls were wrong because they weren't calling enough voters in certain demographic groups in the upper Midwest. But this time around, the mistakes are across the board in a lot of different types of states yeah. and a lot of different types I of polls. I just hope it, was, I hope it wasn't intentional. Chris and Soltis Anderson, thanks so much. Thank you. General Jack Keene next. Get this and all your favorite Fox News podcasts ad-free on Apple Podcasts with Fox News Podcasts Plus. Just go to foxnewspodcasts.com for all the details. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. My national security sources are extremely rattled by this move, and they are worried that the CIA director, Gina Haspel, and the FBI director, Christopher Wray, are next on the chopping block. And what they say is that, look, presidential transitions are a dangerous time anyway. It's a time when adversaries can take advantage of power vacuums, of uncertainty, of people focusing on other things. When you take away these experienced national security hands from the government and replace them, in the case of uh, Mark Esper's replacement, with a person who has not run uh, the Pentagon or any substantial part of it, hasn't even been in the building for a while, um, it really creates a kind of a, a vacuum of leadership that adversaries can take advantage of. It sends a message to the world that nobody's in charge. Uh, and that, of course, is the firing of Defense Secretary uh, Esper. Yesterday came as a surprise to some. I thought if the president had won, he would ask for his resignation. I didn't know with a month or two months, unless he could turn this around through some type of recount, that he would fire him. But what does General Jack Keane think? Retired four-star general, the chairman of the Institute for the Study of War and Fox News senior strategic analyst general. Uh, welcome back. Yeah, great to be here always. General, I, I was kind of worried about this decision. I mean, would it, would it have hurt just to leave him in place for two more months? Well, I that's the president's call. I, I, I Listen, pretty much what this is, is about uh, is the White House's frustration with the Secretary of Defense uh, in not supporting the president. He's a political appointee. They expect him to do that on a regular basis, and uh, I think that's what – that's what this is is about. I don't for a minute think that there's going to be some wholesale other terminations uh, in, in the government, uh, because I think the, the White House and the team around the president have their eyes wide open while they're contesting this election and they believe they have uh, some legitimate reasons to do it. I think they're very much aware of the fact that there's a lot of votes that would have to be turned around in a lot of states and and that's that's quite a challenge. Uh, so I, I don't have the concern that uh, that the commentator had that this is a major national security issue. That's just nonsense. First of all, the entire structure of the Department of Defense is in place in terms of the leadership. The chairman of the Joint Chiefs, the Joint Chiefs themselves, our combatant commanders all around the world are there. The entire uh, DOD staff is there as well. So um, one person in of themselves does uh, is not going to put this country uh, at risk. This, this system is, is much more significant and important than, than any one person in it. 
Yeah, so the NBC analyst, is Ken Delaney, uh, went on to say this is his worry. Cut 41. There's further worry about what this president could do over the next 75 days. As we all know, presidents of the United States have awesome power over the national security state. They can wage nuclear war. They can deploy troops. They can do all sorts of things. They can also declassify information. And there's a real worry that John Ratcliffe, the director of national intelligence, will start putting out further information designed to discredit the Russia investigation. He's already done that. Um, and some CIA officials and other officials believe that that has compromised sources and methods. Is it your sources say the same thing? No, not whatsoever. And uh, uh, also, uh, the information that was released uh, as as a result of you know this almost four year uh, undermining and debacle investigations concerning the president. Uh, my my sources tell me there's nothing in there that reveals anything about sources or methods, and that's one of the things that has to be that's the hurdle that has to be cleared within the intelligence agencies themselves before any of that information is released. That, that's unfounded. Listen, this this hand-wringing that goes on with Trump, I mean, after all of these years, I'm not surprised it's still going on. This was the president that was going to get us involved in a nuclear war. This is the president that's going to get us involved in war. And this is the president that we found out that wants to end our participation in wars, and some of that I disagree with, and also exercised extraordinary constraint in dealing with the Iranians when they were walking up the escalation ladder in in terms of the use of military force, shooting down a drone, attacking the largest oil field in the world and taking out 60 to 70 percent of it, no response. Uh, and the president exercising extraordinary constraint constraint uh, in this. And so much of these allegations uh, concerning him uh, have been just unfounded. And, you know, I've I've disagreed with him on on matters of policy, but I've never had a concern about him uh, being reckless in the use of uh, military power or doing something that's going to endanger the security of the American people. Quite the contrary. I, I think he's obsessed uh, as, as most presidents are, with making sure the American people are protected. Right, and I also think rules of engagement is one of the first things he did, took on ISIS directly, one of the first things he did, uh, put uh, special forces into Syria. Uh, so I think that that was important too, and I also think that the president sent a message to the rest of the Arab world that we see, like you do, that Iran is the problem, and allow these peace deals and this is recognition of Israel uh, with the Sudan now, the United Arab Emirates and Bahrain, and Saudi Arabia seems to be in the launch pad. What I was disturbed to see is it looks like Joe Biden wants to see what's left of the Iranian deal and wants to rectify it. What are the dangers of that? Well, this is the—I think the Biden administration, by and large, accepts the national security strategy. I mean, they will not admit this publicly, but of uh, the big power competition— China's a major threat. Russia's also a threat, uh, maybe a lesser one. Uh, But nonetheless, they accept that framework. And then the two regional threats of North Korea and Iran. And also that radical Islam is a a generational problem. But Iran is the one, I think, that concerns me the most. Uh, Because I, I think there's a potential here for major strategic blunder. If they don't recognize that since the nuclear deal was implemented, and signed off on in 2015, that five years later, much has changed in the Middle East. And what is that? 
Well, the Iranians got the windfall of 100, close to $150 billion as a result of sanction relief. And remember, one of the objectives of the nuclear deal was to legitimize the country of Iran by participating in a treaty, excuse me, in a peace agreement with with major legitimate players in the world, Russia, China, United States, Britain, France, Germany, etc. That gave them legitimacy. And the thought would be that they would become a responsible nation in the international community as a result of that, of, of, of that cooperation and collaboration. And quite the opposite has happened. They took that money and they increased their use of proxies led by Qasem Soleimani, two major civil wars, Syria and Yemen, undermining the government of Iraq, raining rockets and missiles down on Israel from Hamas and Hezbollah on a, on a regular basis. And, and that has been the mischief of, this, of the Iranians. And to, it, to knee-jerk the reaction and say, we're just going to go back to the nuclear deal and ignore their aggressive and malign behavior, which has been the singular issue mm-hmm. uh, in the region for years now. And that is what has caused the geopolitical paradigm shift, Brian, is that the Arabs and the Israelis recognize they have a common enemy in Iran and they have to come together politically, militarily, and actually economically in an alliance to deal with the Iranians. And that shift is taking place. And if the Biden administration comes in and doesn't recognize those realities and begins to undermine that, those coalition, the coalition that's forming, and strengthen the Iranians' hand, that'll be a major strategic blunder, which will help further help to destabilize uh, the Middle East, which is something the Obama and Biden administration had done in the past during their eight years. Uh, very true. And real quick, South Korea says they're worried about North Korea and they're uh, half happy, half sad about Joe Biden. He said Joe Biden has no interest in talking to North Korea. He's uh, Joe Biden's pop more popular than Donald Trump in South Korea. And they don't want to have to write the check for our troops. But we were Trump was saying, listen, we're protecting you guys. Why aren't you fair? Like, why aren't you paying some of the freight? Biden's not going to ask that, but he's also not going to engage with the North, which makes the South feel more uneven. Final thought on that? Yeah, well, we, I remember talking to uh, the Japanese uh, foreign ministry uh, in, in Tokyo uh, on one of my visits out, out to the Far East, and, and, and they, they, we got to talking about South Korea, and they told me unequivocally, he said, you have got to recognize, General, that despite all the rhetoric coming out in South Korea, despite the fact that they're a d- democracy and we cheer them on in that respect, they are in China's orbit. And, and and much of what comes out of their mouth as it concerns North Korea is influenced by by the PRC. And that's that's the reality of it. And I hope the Biden administration gets a full dose of intel briefings to enlighten them if they don't know already what's really happening with South Korea. All right. General, General Jack Keane, thanks so much. Always appreciate it. Yeah, good talking to you and your audience, Brian. All right. Same here. And talk to you on TV soon. We come back. Varney and Company, a simulcast, then your calls. Brian Kilmeade Show. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. 
Now, the Brian Kilmeade Show joins Fox Business's Varney and Company with Stuart Varney, live on your radio and on Fox Business. Here's Brian Kilmeade. Yeah, stay pat, everyone. By the way, we're going to be going on Stuart Varney's show, as the guy with the deep voice said, but I'm also going to be taking some calls, and first two callers will get my mass market book of Sam Houston, the Alamo Avengers, the book you can't get enough of, A Great Moment in America's Past. You're talking about the 1830s. It's our second revolution after 1776 and, of course, after the War of 1812. So I think you're going to love it. And Sam Houston, the guy that should have been president but was president of a place called Texas. So uh, we'll be able to give that away. Just came in yesterday, so I thought I'd take some of my copies and give it to my great audience. And um, I appreciate you being there. With Stuart Varney, he's going to talk about what happened yesterday. If you were listening to the show with Senator Lindsey Graham, we'll talk about that and Governor Cuomo's irresponsible behavior when it comes to the vaccine. Let's listen together. It is 1051 <laughs> on the dot, and here's Brian Kilmeade with us. All right, Brian, I know you had Senator Lindsey Graham on your show yesterday. He talked about Trump running in 2024, right? He wants him to run again, is that it? Yeah, no question. I golfed with, He golfed with the president for about, and spent about an hour talking to him again over the last couple of days. And he just said, listen, uh, let's exercise every area. Let's find out what was happening in these battleground states. But if not, you're still the heavyweight. You still produce this transformation of the party. You still helped almost deliver the Senate. We're one step away and almost take back the House as well as the state houses. And you got more votes than anyone except Joe Biden, the history of the country. Look at the bright side. You could come back in 2024. And he just said, get your head around that. Think about that. It's not over. And then, of course, there's a report today that he, the president's talking about a super PAC that he would put together. And I even heard Mitt Romney, Stuart, I don't know what you do on Sundays. A lot of times you golf or hunt or at the same time or you run the biathlon where you ski and you shoot targets. Oh, yeah, I'm not yeah, really yeah. sure what it is. But uh, something on Sunday with during the Sunday shows, you saw the fact that Mitt Romney came out and said he is the 900-pound gorilla in the party still. Okay. Now, let's get uh, to another subject here. Governor Cuomo, New York Governor Cuomo. He's already politicizing Pfizer's vaccine progress and success. Just watch this, Brian. Roll tape. The bad news is uh, that it's about two months before Joe Biden takes over. And that means this administration is going to be implementing a vaccine plan. And the Trump administration is rolling out the vaccination plan. And I believe it's flawed. Look, Brian, I would have thought that good progress on a vaccine is good news regardless of the timing. And I don't think Governor Cuomo is encouraging me or anybody else to actually take the vaccine so long as he's on Trump's watch. That is ridiculous. Well, I'm going to tell you a secret. I travel with cotton balls in my pants just so I can be ready should a shot be available. That's how ready I am for the vaccine. A couple of things. With Governor Cuomo, it was a week before Election Tuesday. I would say he's playing politics. It's sad, but it, I get what he's doing. Now it makes no sense. You know, it was on Sunday. Again, uh, since I'm so lonely, I watched two shows, morning and afternoon. I watched 60 Minutes. The military is ready to go with all these dosages. They say they're going to know the whole way in which the doses arrive in hospitals all across the country. And then Moderna comes out and has their own. If anyone can implement it, it is the military combined with FedEx who's going to be delivering these things 
things, they're all ready to go. And this is CBS's 60 Minutes describing in detail what's going to happen. He's playing politics. He's trying to sell a book about a pandemic in which, for, by most counts, he destroyed a city and wrote a book about it. So to me, I don't know how he's selling it. Maybe he's trying to add this to the paperback version. I'm a little curious about it. But it is going to work. It's 90% effective. The future, you know this better than me, Stuart. If this company has a vaccine that's ineffective, it's goodbye company. Uh, Pfizer's done. Moderna's going to be done. They have more on the line than anybody else. So this thing has got to be effective. It's going to be put through the paces. America needs to be delivered from this. I don't know if you noticed, but no one's beating this. Uh, 180 countries, it's just coming back and back and back. Look at Italy. Look at Germany. Look at Belgium. Look at what's happening all across, around the world. This same thing is happening that's coming back here with a second wave. Now our count's up to 2.1. The last thing you need is an irresponsible governor coming out and telling us how we don't know how to implement it as a country. It's not about Trump. It's about a country and a military. I'm not going to put down the men and women in camouflage one day before Veterans Day. Well said, Brian. Well said indeed. We're with you. All Brian right. Kilmeade, everyone. He knows what he's talking about. Good stuff. Thank Thanks you, to sir. Him. All right. All right. one 866 Craig, listen on WHIO. Hey, Craig. Hey. Good, good, uh, good morning. Hey, what's on your mind today? Uh, we kind of lost. I felt bad. He was on for so long. Uh, Lowell, listen on WIBQ over in Indiana. Hey, Lowell. Hey, Brian. How you doing? Good, man. Thanks for calling. Hey, uh, Alamo Avengers, great book. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I've got a request for you for another book. Okay. And that's on uh, Frederick Douglass. When I was seven years old, I read The Life and Times of Frederick Douglass. And he was one of my very first heroes. And uh, I think and it shouldn't matter, but I'm white. So I think there's a lot of black people out there that ought to have a hero in Frederick Douglass in your work. Uh, I think remote that. Well, I think you're going to be happy to hear this. Yeah, you're going to be happy to hear this. Next fall, I'll be coming out with a book uh, about Frederick Douglass's relationship with Abraham Lincoln and vice versa. It's going to be uh, the working title is The President and the Freedom Fighter, How Abraham Lincoln and Frederick Douglass combined, uh, combined Forces to Win a War and Make America a More Perfect Union. Outstanding. I can't wait to read it. He's everything you just said. And, by the way, uh, a self-made success story, a fantastic speaker of great intellect who um, who uh, also was a Republican. And people forget that. Booker T. Washington, also a great man uh, who was born in slavery, and that was the name of, uh, the name of his book. And he ends up uh, uh, achieving great things in a time in which it's you think it's tough now, but to be African-American back then— uh, talk about obstacles. I can't begin to explain. Thanks so much. Uh, Chris, listen on W. Uh, and boy, hold on, Lowell. I'm going to mail you a book. You can give it to somebody else. Uh, Lowell, hold on, Indiana. Real quick, Chris, WHIO. Chris. Yeah, hey, Brian. Thank you very much for taking my call. I just wanted to uh, get your intake. Over the weekend, I've seen uh, that if uh, Biden does become president, he wants to implement a nation, nationwide uh, mask mandate. And um, basically, I just want to know, uh, where does the president have the authority to decide what we must and must not wear? I don't believe he does. And that's why the president Trump didn't do it. He didn't. He is not the absolute monarch they claim he was. He knows it's got to come from mayors and governors. And if you listen to what Biden says, he says, I'm going to meet with mayors and governors, convince them to tell them to their people to do it because he doesn't have that power. 
Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade coming to you from New York City, heard around the country, heard around the world. In a matter of moments, Jonathan Turley will be joining us, and we're going to be covering the proceedings at the Senate Judiciary Committee as Senator uh, Lindsey Graham, his chairman, just spoke, and Dianne Feinstein, ranking member, is speaking now. In front and center is Andy McCabe. He is evidently going to admit to some mistakes but he will not come out and say it was unwarranted for to run an investigation into President-elect Trump, let alone President Trump, uh, will get his point of view. And now that he doesn't have to worry about President Trump being president, if things go as the way they are right now, we'll see how, how unguarded he will be. So we'll talk about that and so much more. And we're continuing to monitor anything coming out of the president who has not had anything scheduled formally for the last three days. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. 90% is a game changer. 90%, now you're uh, hoping to have a tool in your war against this pandemic that could be significantly effective. Wow, a breakthrough, vaccine, launch pad, Moderna, next to go. Great news. What about that timing? One week after the elections. And what about what Joe Biden wants to do with covid Sound familiar? Like exactly what Donald Trump's doing? Number two. Look, Joe Biden, I do think he has a legitimate mandate to do two things. One is to wear a mask. He ran on that. Two is to tweet less. If there was a mandate on any ideological grounds, the Democrats would have gained seats in the House. Yeah, it's kind of interesting, Ari Fleischer. Biden's agenda and the clash for two Georgia Senate seats in the GOP is it will be a death match. And because the Republicans are one win away from having control of the Senate again. Number one. Our institutions are actually built for this. And President Trump is 100% within his rights to look into allegations of irregularities and weigh his legal options. Standing in support. Donald Trump still fighting and getting uh, some gains now in Pennsylvania as they're looking to possibly uh, recount everything in Pennsylvania. That is just coming across now, uh, as well as other states like Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Nevada. So the president's not willing to throw in the towel, even though the media has said president-elect, including Fox, president-elect uh, uh, Biden, and he's already made a speech. Today he's going to make a speech about Obamacare, and we'll see where that goes from here. And we'll still monitor what's going on with Andy McCabe, who did not make his way into Congress. He's doing it from his office, so he's not in the committee meeting directly. So what's the president uh, actually looking to do? We are. He's looking to challenge. He is not buying the fact that a 400,000 vote lead in Pennsylvania reversed itself the next day. And he's still trying to find out where these votes came from. And the mail-in votes, which he never trusted, always, always, always had a problem with. He said we shouldn't be changing things in, in midstream. Uh, so he wants to take a look there at, at that count. Uh, to talk about the merits of the case here is Jonathan Turley. Jonathan, welcome back. Thank you very much. So, Jonathan, when we last spoke, you said, I want to find out what's going on in uh, Philadelphia with the distance. But you more thought that there might be something to what's going on 
with the actual votes itself because we're dancing on the edges. Even if there was some corruption involved or some fraud involved, there's just not enough votes, right? Right. That's what we have to learn. There's no reason why we should not pursue these allegations. We have time to do so. We have done it in past elections. This is a very different election. We've never had 100 million or more mail-in votes. And the fact is that we wouldn't have evidence of systemic problems until this next period, next couple of weeks. That evidence is largely held by election officials, and they often do not hand it over without a court order. Now, does that mean there are systemic problems? No, it does not. It's just that we don't know. And there's no reason why we should stop without knowing. And that's one of the reasons I wrote a column saying that I think the most presidential moment for Joe Biden would be to come out and say, you know what, let's get to the bottom of it. 71 million people voted against me. They have a right to feel that their votes counted. I'm asking my campaign to stand down from any opposition to looking at these votes. And the odds dramatically favor him that he will ultimately prevail. But I don't understand these these calls, which came within 24 hours of Election Day, that we shouldn't have challenges and there's no merit to this. How would we know? I mean, I'm a legal analyst. I, I analyze things. How would I know that there's not merit when we haven't seen the evidence? Right. Uh, and that's what basically what a lot of these experts are saying. Uh, the also thing is the thing is also uh, it's very tough with all these mail-in ballots. We changed the rules midstream, and remember back in September, Bill Barr for some reason went on CNN to argue, and this is what he said when people said, "What do you mean there's election fraud with mail-in balloting? What's your problem with it?" Cut nine. This is playing with fire. We're a very closely divided country here, and if people have to have confidence in the results of the election and the legitimacy of the government, and people trying to change the rules to this to this methodology, which, as a matter of logic, is very open to fraud and coercion, is reckless and dangerous. And that's really how the president felt at the time. And that's what the attorney general said, who's going to do a Department of Justice is going to play a role in investigating this. Are you in support of that? Well, a lot of people have raised this uh, change in policy. It is a change. But the policy also says that Maine Justice does not want federal prosecutors to pursue a fishing expedition or to go looking for problems. They only want those things that appear substantial uh, to be the focus of the federal government. And the point of the memo is to streamline the system. Instead of having local prosecutors go back to Maine Justice and the public integrity section, uh, it allows them to go ahead, use their local authority to make inquiries. So all of these over wrought arguments that this is part of a coup, it's just bizarre. I mean, you know, there are serious questions that have been raised. We've seen computer software glitches that that led to thousands of votes being given to Biden rather than Trump, and that was corrected, that we need to look at things like that. We need to look at threshold authentication issues, signature issues that can affect a large number of votes. Will that be enough? Nobody knows, but that's that's the point. You know, the example I gave is that we have all these individual affidavits that are detailing localized areas of fraud that they are alleging. 
It's like having a patient come to you with a low white blood cell levels and then having the family demanding to either say it's cancer or stop further testing. You don't know. That's why we have further testing. So when you look at the mail-in ballots, what I'm stunned is we still haven't counted them all. Top five counties with most mail-in ballots left to count. Allegheny County, 12,000. Philadelphia County, 9,000. Montgomery County, almost four. Lehigh County, 2,300. Bucks County, uh, 2,262. So between Georgia and Pennsylvania, we're not done yet. What's taking so long? Why did North Carolina stop counting? Why was Florida and Texas done on election night? No, this is something I actually wrote on the day after the election. And that is in 2000, when I was covering the election for CBS, I wrote a column the next day saying, no matter what happens here, why do we have so much trouble in the United States of America doing elections? And Washington, I suggested that we have a national standard. We can have that. You can't force states to do it, but they're accepting federal funds, and we can condition the federal funds. So in 2000, I wrote, and I wrote this again in 2004, you know, why don't we have a uniform approach to this? So Washington did what it always did. It created a commission, and then the commission, a couple years later, gave billions of dollars to the states without having any type of uniformity. And that, that money seems to just to have evaporated. I agree. Um, so we're looking at a bunch of different things, uh, and now we have the president sitting on the sideline, not scheduling any events, just kind of tweeting on things while waiting for his investigators to produce something. So what do you think, you know how government works, Jonathan Turley. What do you, what's the time frame? How much time do we have before people start saying, Mr. President, for the good of the country, you got to concede or, or formally contest? I mean, we're contesting we're now. Looking, and, go ahead. Yeah, I think we're looking at about a week to see if they can find any evidence that uh, of systemic problems. And keep in mind that when we say systemic problems, they're not talking about systemic fraud. You know, the, there, there's a, a real effort to shape the narrative here. And people said, oh, come on, somebody didn't sit there and fill out 40,000 ballots with a Sharpie. No, they probably didn't. There, there probably was some fraud, but not like that. The questions that most of us are asking or whether there's systemic problems in balloting, whether whole, whole classes of ballots were allowed in when they shouldn't have been allowed in, whether the authentication of, of signatures was either ignored or set at such a low level with these machines that they were meaningless. Those are the problems we're really looking for. You know, people talk about vans pulling up to post offices. I'm not as concerned with that as I am with these more systemic questions, things like software glitches. We should know more about that in the coming week or so. All right. We'll see. Do you, do you um, think the president made the right move telling the, the GSA, or the GSO, not to help provide money and support for the transition team to get offices, the Joe Biden's division team to get offices and beginning to get the daily brief? Do you think that's a mistake? <laughs> I think it is a mistake. I think that the President Trump should be presidential and saying, I'm contesting this election, but I believe that we should support uh, uh, President-elect Biden in the transition in case these numbers hold. And I think that Biden should have his presidential moment and say that I believe that those 71 million or so people that voted against me deserve 
some greater sense of confidence. And I'm telling my campaign not to oppose these reviews. That would be interesting. And it would be definitely one way to say I am into bringing the country together. So we'll see who makes that first move. Uh, I sense neither side, but I have my fingers crossed somebody will. Uh, Jonathan Turley, thanks so much. Thank you. All right, listen, when we come back, Andy McCabe's testifying right now. He admits FBI errors. No kidding. During the 2016 investigation that launched the Mueller report, you'll listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Your call's next. It's Brian Kilmeade. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. I know FBI people as hardworking, dedicated patriots who are committed to the rule of law above all else. The jobs are hard, sometimes dangerous, and often they are pushed beyond the limits of their experience into volatile, unpredictable situations. FBI personnel are not perfect, but when they make mistakes... They submit to the rigors of oversight and remain committed to learning and getting it right the next time. So that is Andy McCabe's opening statement written down. He's in his office. He's not front and center in the Judiciary Committee. It's an option because of the pandemic. But he just was asked a question pretty directly by Lindsey Graham. And this is the most I know you're saying to yourself it's 2016. We're in 2020 now. But it's just so important to understand, especially if you're a Trump detractor or a Trump supporter, what the president was up against. They're doing a massive investigation when he's president elect. They actually picked up in July before the election in November that Hillary Clinton looking to deflect attention on her emails wanted to put a put a false investigation out there that the Trump campaign was tied to Russia. This is a memorandum picked up by the CIA, handed over to the FBI. Peter Strzok, the number two in command, says, I wasn't really aware of that. Well, whose name was on it? Well, James Comey and Peter Strzok. Again, Strzok says blame Comey. Uh, Strzok says blame McCabe, or I didn't know about that. McComey says he might as well be the king of England. I have nothing to do really with the day-to-day uh, operations, which we know is not true. And they're all deflecting. And they all get contracts. Comey gets a movie. Peter Strzok goes with a, a network deal, gets a book deal. McCabe, a book deal, and gets a deal with NBC. It's unbelievable. And the country gets hurt by this. I'm going to pull that clip back in a second. But, Robert, you're listening in West Palm Beach, Florida. Hey, Robert. Hi, Brian. Thanks so much for taking my call. So much going uh, on here. What's I, on your mind? I'd say about the last eight years, I've always been a registered independent. The last eight years have really changed my perspective on things, and I want to get involved. I feel compelled after what the president, the assault he's been under, um, and I'd like to get involved in my district. I have no experience in politics. I'm 36 years old, um, and uh, you know I, I want to help out. So can you give me some suggestions about things I can do? Um, there's some people that have been around for years around here that haven't done anything that are Democrats. And I, and I'd like to, you know, help some of the people at the grassroots level here. Um, well, what I would do is go to your local representative state or, uh, your local U S congressman, if they're close or woman, and just say, listen, I'd like to volunteer in the office. How could I help out? See what I can do. I don't know how much free time you have or, or what you're able to do, but just tell them what your long-term goals are and how to best fit in. There might be some paying positions, some events that you could help plan, listen to some people, question them, and then you begin to understand what concerns are and then who works and who doesn't work for a living. You know, who's there for service and who's there for fame and who wants job security and who actually wants to make people's lives better. But the first thing I would do is say, listen, I'm just looking to help out. 
How could I volunteer? And when you say you want to volunteer with a campaign in politics, they will sign you up. And there's not great jobs in the beginning, but when you prove your competence and you can organize, then they'll start giving you positions. And when things start opening up, you get paid for those positions. Also, the school boards is something else. It's a lot of headaches, especially if you have friends in the area. But you really can make an impact and find out what's happening with schools. And you learn about the parents. You learn about the kids. You learn about the curriculum. You learn about the local sports, too. So that would be my advice. Jimmy, listen on WABC in Long Island. Jimmy. Hey, what's going on? I have a question for you. Have you heard anything about the John Durham investigation? I expected sometime in November, December. You know, you heard what happened. He said after I, I, you know, the pandemic delayed him. They said they got explosive stuff, and Senator Lindsey Graham said, I'd be shocked that there were no indictments out of this. But they said when it got close to the election, they did not want it playing a role in the election. And that got disappointed the president so much, he basically stopped speaking to the attorney general. Wow. Okay. That's all. Thank you very much, man. Go get him. one 408 7669 Do we have that clip, uh, Eric? I want you to, yeah, in a couple of seconds, I want you to hear this. So what bothers me most is that there's so much time in between when Strzok testifies, when Comey testifies, and now when McCabe testifies, you realize their stories don't line up, right? So it's not Trump against all of them. It's Trump against each one individually, and maybe they're master at deflection and deception. Let's listen. What happened is that the CIA, and we've got the documents, sent to the FBI information suggesting that Hillary Clinton had approved of a plan to link Donald Trump to Russia for political purposes, and it went to Peter Strzok. Do you believe Peter Strzok was fair-minded when it came to the Trump campaign? Um, Senator, my experience is working with Peter Strzok. Uh, yes, I believe he was fair and the decisions that he made and the work that he did. So do you object to Mueller relieving him from the investigation because of the emails show that he hated Trump's guts? Um, my recollection stirs that uh, we removed Peter from that team uh, because Did, of the ongoing investigation. Oh, in those text messages, he says he was vile. I would take Hillary Clinton 100 million more times. He's smelly. The Trump supporters are horrible. And there weren't emails, uh, Mr. Senator. They were actually text messages. But there's no way Peter Strzok was fair and objective. And there's no way Andy McCabe was fair and objective. They're just playing out the clock. Frustrating. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. In the fall of 2016, this is his testimony to the committee. You put Mr. Cabe on notice. Hey, you need to watch this. You need to verify. I certainly gave him the same caveats, and the caveats were that Steele hated Trump. Yes, your concerns. Yes. What did, what did he say when you told him that you were concerned about you need to be careful for lack of a better term? I think he understood because he also worked on Russia criminal matters. So we have Mr. Orr under oath saying that expressed concerns to you, Strzok, and others about the reliability of Mr. Steele. You don't remember that? Senator, I don't remember the specifics of our conversation. However, we were engaged in trying to determine 
um, and verify the statements in Mr. Steele's reporting at that time. So okay. we were certainly concerned about those things. So Andy McCabe is saying as little as possible, acting sincere, but he has short-term memory loss. He's not part of the investigation, even though he's deputy FBI director. The FBI director was then involved at that granular level, even though Peter Strzok in his book talks about and the text messages reveal how often that he's going to Andy's office for a meeting. Evidently, Andy didn't really do anything. And then one great question that Senator Lindsey Graham just answered and said, who's responsible for ruining Carter Page's life? Carter Page, just so you know, was somebody that the CIA was using as an asset to get information from Russia. The FBI is doing an investigation on Carter Page. They asked the FCIA, do you need Carter? Do you guys work with Carter Page? They came back and said yes. They changed the report to say he said no, and they got an application to spy on him. That launched the Papadopoulos investigation that launched everything else. Uh, that was part of the Mueller report that took two years of our lives up and gave CNN a lot of programming as NBC convinced that the president's working as a deputy under Vladimir Putin. Incredible. It just seems so long ago now. They were in the middle of 2020, and we have a disputed election there. Uh, Greg, listening in Arizona. Hey, Greg. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, I'm, I'm mad at the media. They have divided us, and they only have the power to unite us. No politician is going to unite us. And another point is that I believe the Trump campaign did an epic fail. On, uh, on Arizona they, in, in general or just preparing no, for the post-election? In, in, in general. They, they should have been more prepared. They knew all this mail-in balloting was going to be a problem. Uh, why did we take half the night to all of a sudden realize that people were 100 feet away and they couldn't see the ballots and all that stuff? You know, a little bit of organization, knowing that we we're supposed to have people in the polling places, you know, and having all those people there. I, I don't know what the heck the, the uh, campaign was thinking about. They knew all this was happening. They should have been prepared for all of that. You I know? hear you. Why weren't people there? You know, I... it just seems like epic fail. I can't I can't say you're wrong on anything you said. It seems like they're, all, they're playing catch-up in a time in which the cock is running. Brian, listen on WDBO in Orlando. Brian. Brian Kilmeade. I never met a Brian I didn't like, and uh, I've never met you, but I think we get along great. Sounds good. What's on your mind? Uh, well, so here's – you're not only the receptive voice, but the respected voice. Uh, I'm just curious. You talk to a lot of influential, knowledgeable people. What's your overall assessment of what the truth is of the election? I mean, is there rampant voter fraud, in your opinion, in your assessment? What's your your sense? I think each one tells a different story. I mean, how could I possibly compare Wisconsin to Pennsylvania? How can I compare Pennsylvania to Arizona? I will say this. There's a reason why. I'm not saying the Democrats are into massive fraud. I know what I don't know. I know I'm not on the ground there. It's so hard to travel these days with the quarantines and the responsibility that your company has when you travel, if you send in the travel and the cruise, that I don't even get a chance to go there. So we have one reporters go out. So you kind of rely on them. I have not seen it by the thousands. Could they unwind it years later and say this is what they did? I don't know. But I know this. We changed the election system in the middle of the election system, in the middle of the year, in June. Nevada and New Jersey and others just go, we're just going to mail people ballots. Everyone knew it would be a problem. The president knew it would be a problem. And as president, he couldn't stop it. 
But I think there's some issues that should be examined. I think people that should be called out. I think systems that need to be uh, further scrutinized. Absolutely. And well, you know what? The automatic recount in Pennsylvania and Wisconsin, I want to see the result. The legislator wants to see some recounting going on in Pennsylvania itself. But meanwhile, the clock's ticking. We've got major issues. You've got China on the march through the Caribbean, through the South China Sea, trying to reestablish itself in Venezuela. Well, are we going to hit them with more sanctions? Are we going to hit them with more tariffs? How are we going to get out from underneath the coronavirus when no one else really has? Ann, listening in Virginia, WCHV. Hey, Ann. Ann, you're on. All right, hold on. All right, let me uh, pop up Beverly, WLAD, as we get Ann ready. Beverly. Hi. Hi. I listen to you all the time, but I want to change the subject for a minute, and would you please write a book about your dogs? Rocky and Apollo? (laughs) I can't get them to agree to an interview, plus Rocky's deaf. I know it. Excuse me, Apollo's deaf. Well, every once in a while you talk about them, and uh, he, they sound so interesting, and I love dogs, and I know a lot of people do, and I think it would be wonderful if you could get a book out by Christmas. All right, I'm going to, I don't know if I can get them to agree to it and get a deal together so quickly, but they're great Pyrenees, they're brothers, and uh, yeah, and Rocky's got bad knees, uh, and Apollo can't hear. But together, they're really unbelievable. They've never been attacked. They never growled. And they bark, but they never growl at another dog. They walk. They're great with little kids. They're great with older people. So if you have, you're thinking about a breed that's easy to live with, Great Pyrenees, I could not recommend them higher. And thanks so much. And by the way, I, I was told that when I post pictures of them, they get more hits than anything else. Um, okay, I'll buy that book in a minute. All right, Beverly. We'll spread the word. I'll see what I can do. Appreciate it. On another note, we're talking about elections and what it all means and what's changed. There used to be Election Tuesday. They give you off from school. They give you off from work. They give you a chance to vote. Remember that? Victor Davis Hanson talks about how we lost that tradition and it better come back. Cut 14. They rendered the most hallowed date in American traditions, the first Tuesday of November, into an abstraction. It's a construct. Even the word absentee ballot doesn't mean anything anymore. It ceased to exist. And what did they replace it with? This new concept of early voting and mail-in balloting. We've never heard those words before. And what they mean is 30, 40, 45 days before the election, you can keep voting casually. You go in, vote. Maybe not any day. There's no one day you vote. Ballots can come in one, two, three, four days after the polls, maybe. And if the rules are too oppressive, you can sue and overturn the constitutional right of the legislators to set the voting laws. And what did we miss? It used to be the last two or three weeks were the heated time of the, of the campaign. That's when you showed the medal of the candidate. So what did it matter if Donald Trump had a really good second debate? What did it matter if we heard about Hunter Biden when millions of people had already voted? And what did they vote on? What were the, what were the perceptions? And that's Hoover Institute's smartest guy. And it just, just tells how everything changed. And the president's a traditionalist. You know that. He wants to be Merry Christmas. Uh, he wants the traditional education, 1776, not 1619. He wants Election Day. And I'm not saying that some other votes would have been different, too. Maybe people would have voted for Trump at the end. Maybe people would have switched from Trump and would have voted for Biden at the end. There's a reason why we wait for these debates to happen. You know, it's pretty amazing. The debates wouldn't move. This is the way we do it. I'm sorry. That's what's been agreed upon. 
but they went virtual in a matter of a second. Uh, they, they changed topics right away. They showed that they were pliable and flexible. But when it became clear that early voting would happen right after the first debate and right before the first debate, and there was so much, it was, there was so much to see in this very odd year of con- lack of campaigning, they wouldn't budge. So, but they budged on everything else. We're going to come back and give you more highlights from Andy McCabe's testimony in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee. You listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't go anywhere. Brian Kilmeade will be right back. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Who's responsible for putting together the information provided to the FISA court that was completely devoid of the truth? lacking material facts, completely represented what Mr. Page did and how he did it, who should we look to for that responsibility? Well, sir, I, I don't agree with the way that you've characterized the That's what the court of, said. Um, I, I think as the IG pointed out in the conclusions of their report. Who's responsible, Mr. McCabe? Everyone who, every person. Everybody's responsible, but nobody's responsible. Sir, it would help if you'd allow me to finish my answer. I think it might be uh, easier to understand. The question is who's responsible. And I think that we are all responsible for the work that went into that FISA. So the FISA court, the thing that's significant is there's a trust. When you go to a judge, they trust what's in front of them is all the evidence and it's verified. And then they make that tough decision without a jury or a opposing counsel. So they got to be honest. And they're not honest. They were running crazy all over to pursue what they thought was a Russian connection to the Trump team, which did not exist. By the way, logic never seems to enter into this. I've never run down a case. But the FBI should some at one moment step back and say, wait a second. This one-man operation, this political novice running this election, you see what's going on uh, the way he was running in 2016. You think they're courting with an outside government to do what? On what, 11,000 Facebook ads? They're just totally getting around. And these FBI agents that are masters at questioning people are also quite, uh, masters at evasive. Uh, evading people. Are you going to tell me that McCabe didn't talk to Comey about what to avoid asking and not to conflict? Scott, knowing that Comey's not going to get called back? Scott, listening in Wisconsin. Hey, Scott. Hey, Brian. How's it going? Scott, I think you guys are looking at a mandatory recount, right? I believe so. Yes, sir. Um, so, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, Brian, I got a simple question here. Um, why, after I voted for Trump, was I not given receipt of my vote? I um, think it's posted. I, I feel it's posted. So, but I don't receive an actual verification um, in the event that we do have to go back and prove who we actually voted for. No, you don't. And everybody's different. I mean, I can't talk to Wisconsin just like I can't talk to Arizona. I could talk to New York. I mean, for the longest time in New York, we pulled a lever. I don't know what was wrong with that. Now we have a physical ballot that we fill out across. And to me, it just brings up more human error. And then you deposit that ballot in. And what I think one of the most interesting thing is, is that when you have a ballot, 
and you're going across, reportedly, if you're judging by the results, a lot of people voted Biden and then went Republican. And going in last time, 97% didn't break party line. And now they broke party line. Now, Republicans can't say they were trounced because look at the state houses. Look at how they closed the gap stunningly in the House. Nancy Pelosi still doesn't know what hit her. And then look at the Senate. They were supposed to lose it there. One went away from holding it for another at least another two years. Thanks so much for the call. So I, I didn't provide that great answer you're looking for because I can't speak to the whole country because we're allowed autonomy in these counties in these states. Je, uh, Joe was on WKJB. Hey, Joe. Hey, Brian. How are you, buddy? Good. What's on your mind? Hey, I appreciate it. I can finally listen to somebody from 9 to 12 now down here. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in freefall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.